Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are live. We are live. We are live. We've got some people waiting in the room. Uh, Johnny, do you want to switch your on-air button? It it goes too bright, Pete, and then people can't actually see it. Like, now they can kind of see it. So, shall I? Maybe I'll bring it closer. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, for for the audio listeners, I've added to my studio space. We kind of made it a little bit more authentic. We've got an on-air light just to let everyone knows that we're not fucking around anymore. Do you know what I mean? So. Yeah, you get you, it. We go from uh, you go from spare bedroom to studio space. You know that you've you've hit the big time. Matt Candela, you look like you're in a nice room. Where are you? I am in Miami. Whoa! Enjoyed That's watching exciting. the game. Have you got an on air button though? No on air button. No <laughs> button. I have got eighty degrees of sunshine. So uh, I'll take for a few beers with Lionel later. I'll see if he's around. See if hey. David a call. He might be in New York this weekend, Matt. Uh, the uh, the New York Miami game. Oh yeah, to he celebrate may. his Ballon d'Or. Yeah, eighth Ballon d'Or. I saw uh, into Miami taking him out to celebrate. It's the talk of the town here. Not much to do with into Miami. Not no, not much to do with his MLS appearance so far. But listen, the best player in the world plays in MLS now. Is that? Anything to do with me being here? Could be. Could be, Matt. Take this payment. All right. Uh, we've got an action-packed show today. Our last podcast before another international break, which is uh, making me sad. But listen, we won. We beat Burnley. Um, there was a, you know, wasn't wasn't a terrible game. Wasn't the greatest. But listen, there's lots of stuff to talk about, guys. Uh, so no more messing around. Let's just crack right into it. Good morning and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I'm joined by Matt Candela, who's in Miami. I'm joined by Johnny Cochran, who has added to his studio and it looks fantastic. Arsenal have just beaten Burnley in the Premier League. Spurs have had a shocking day. Uh, what a great way to enter the international break. Johnny and Matt, how you doing? 
Good, mate. Good. Yeah, that uh, that Spurs game was a beautiful little warm up. Uh, they've got their Tottenham back, which is good. Uh, and uh, and then yeah, three points for us just before the international break. Johnny, how's it going? I see you're wearing the grey hoodie again. It's that season. It is that season. Um, yeah, really, really, the wind was put in my sails when Tottenham's capitulation, capitulation lot, uh, late on in the game really took hold. It's lovely to see, lovely to see them turn back into a pumpkin. And we then go out and we just have to do our business. And guess what? We did. Burnley got slapped around in the end. It was by no means the kind of performance that I think many of us would have hoped for. But ultimately, it makes no difference. It was commanding in the end. Um, I definitely am going to be waxing lyrical about a number of star performers today. But let's be honest, there are a couple that have to be put in the serious firing line in terms of, you know, some real question marks around them now. So lots to get into. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm feeling good, especially about that Spurs result. I want to see Big Edge. Ah, oh, mate, 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 it's what happens. It's Spurs, mate. Mate, when I grew up, I knew what Spurs was about, mate. Sorry for any Australians on here. Um, actually, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry at all. All right, let's get into the mix. Let's get into our favourite part. Hottest of takes. Hottest of takes. The hottest of takes. The AOP. Hottest of takes. Make it spicy. I think the spiciest comment is Imposter Coglu. Woo! I like that. I like that. Uh, Matt Candela, I'm going to go to you today for the spiciest of hot takes. Take it away. Hot take, brilliant performance. Uh, and people will go, oh, I don't know if it was that good. And, you know, we were a bit iffy at times. But the, the key thing for me was, due to our injuries, we were unable to rotate any players from Wednesday, really. I think we started with nine of the first nine of the 11 that played on Wednesday night in a must-win Champions League game. And so to come and deliver that type of performance when the legs must have been tired... And I was sort of fearing for us a little bit when it went to 1-1 because I thought, have we got the energy to pull ourselves up? But we dug deep. We did what needed to be done. We found the moments of magic and we go into the international break. 27 points, level with Manchester City. I know they play tomorrow. But to be able to do that with so many injuries shows the added depth that we've put in this season. And it really does bode well because we're going to get some players back over the next couple of weeks. And um, yes, it's not perfect, but... The players deserve a huge amount of credit because that Newcastle defeat felt really, really tough, really, really rough. So to bounce back uh, with two really, really good home wins, uh, absolutely delighted with that. Johnny, you said in the before the whistle that there could be no excuses. Victory was the only course that we could be taking. Um, how are you feeling right now? Give us your hearts to take. Oh, I've got some red hot roasting ones here. Now, for, let's let, let's get... To some of the characters that justify the praise that they're getting, okay? First of all, in games like this, you might not even get to sing his name because you just take it for granted now. Declan Rice, piss taker, again, again. Big deck energy. That is what we have. That's what we're powered by. No question about it. For anyone who didn't get the pun there, there is a term known as big dick energy. It's what you walk around with when you know that you are the shit. That's what we have, big deck energy. And he just brings it and we're powered by it. It's great. He's not alone, though, being a bully. Big Bill Saliba. Billiam. Absolutely stepping up in big moments. And and it's bullying of a, goal, of a goalkeeper who probably is not big enough to be in the league. And there's a big giant that comes in front of him and just says, listen, it's lunch money time. Hand it over. I'll just head that in. Dominant there. 
And ultimately, the tweet I sent out when I saw the lineup, I said, over to you, Luther Van Tross. Show us what you've got. And he said, never too much. Stepped in there. Big goal. Putting your head where the boots go. Willing to risk your shoulder. St- literally knocks it in. Guts it out. Comes back second half. Gets an assist as well. It's a great performance. It's people stepping up when they're given a nod. The only thing that I would say to tie this in a bow for a hottest of takes is that we have won this game massively important, but largely because of set pieces. In terms of breaking down a poor Burnley team, we did find it difficult. And there's no way um, of saying otherwise. We did find it difficult at times, but this performance shows that we have more, you know, more than just flair and more than just playing well and playing when the sun shines. We've got guts and we've got resolve. And that was a brilliant uh, result for us today. Agree with all of that, Johnny. Um, My hearts to takes. Arsenal were joint top of the Premier League, top of our Champions League group, plus 16 goal difference. Uh, And you wouldn't realise it if you were reading some of the fan sentiment this season. Oh, this player hasn't been good enough. We've not stepped up here. Uh, We're not going to win the league. La, 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 la. Look where we are. I think Mikel Arteta has done an absolutely fantastic job this season. Um, I don't think we've found fifth gear, and that's what's so exciting about it. Spurs, they're one point behind us after today, but it's very difficult to say. They've been in sixth gear all season, and the sixth gear is Lady Luck. They've got own goals. Uh, I think they've got three own goals that they've scored. Every decision's going against them. They've had no injuries. That that fifth gear, that sixth gear is about to drop to third, and then we're going to see the true Spurs. Arsenal... You're like, we've been playing in third gear most of the season because we're adjusting for injuries, we're adjusting to tactical changes, and we're controlling games, we're dominating possession, we're creating chances, and we're winning. But there's still that extra element uh, to come. You know, we still haven't quite clicked in front of goal. And when that clicks, hopefully it's in January. And as Matt has said so many times before, you do not want to be peaking in the first three months of the year. And that's what we did last year. I want to be peaking in February. So um, I think the prediction or the hope that that was going to happen, it, it looks like it's on course. So a brilliant, brilliant um, first chunk of the season. We've still got to manage December, but I'm liking what I'm seeing. And all of those critics, all of those people that said Arsenal would fall this season, not looking so smart again. Okay, let's move on to the first topic. Johnny, we're going here. King Bossard. Uh uh, Trossard, Luther Van Tross, whatever you want to call him, had an absolute storm of a game, kept Eddie on the bench, um, put his body on the line, nearly broke his arm trying to get to that header um, just before half time, broke the hearts of Burnley. Um, Johnny, how important was uh, Trossard out there today? And did he earn our pregame praise? And did Arteta listen to the before the whistle and make his changes based on what we said the lineup should be? Well, the final point remains to be seen. We never know. There's always going to be scandal and gossip out there. Arteta may be a listener of the pod. We don't know. We cannot confirm or deny. Um, Trossard's input, I was really, really pleased. One of the messages I keep hammering home when I'm talking on this pod is, when you get given opportunities, you have to take them. These are professional footballers. They want to play in a top team. You don't get... Well, most players don't get eight, nine games to get it right and still get keep getting picked. Most of them don't. There seems to be certain players who can keep doing it, but we'll get on to him anyway. Trossard had a big, big opportunity today. I think that there is an argument when he's in the team, just an argument 
that um and i'm not saying it's the it's the right thing but you can argue that we in in, in some ways are at our most dynamic because all of those players can interchange so well i i think the gabby jesus is our uh, our uh, best option up there to be clear but i do think that trossard if given a run you know, I, I I believe there would be a few people that could think that he could cement a place now and say, we're actually at our best when he's in there. We can find new ways of playing. What was weird is that we didn't actually get our goals from like that tight interchange play and, you know, um, kind of quick footed around the box. But what he did do is he took chances. He took shots when he needed. There was one where he you know, got caught out, but shifted onto his left. Big, big shot at the near post. The keeper made a good save. And ultimately, finally sorted out his corner taking enough to say that he created a goal today with Saliba. That's a decent corner because it goes in, obviously. And it was guts. And we weren't necessarily thinking that that's what he was going to bring to it. But at the back post, you've got to go in there. You've got to get stuck in. There's a number of players in our team who you'd think, if they were in that position, they wouldn't put their heads in that situation. Trossard done it, and he shows that he's got more than one way to skin a cat. Yes, he's a great technician, but he's also got guts and bravery. And I'm all about players that stand up, take responsibility, and make game-altering, you know, bits of play. And that's what he did today. So I thought it was a great performance. You give me a golden assist, you've got a great performance. Well done. And I'm saying you, I want to see him start the next game. It's that simple. So well done, Lufa. Macandela Trossard has had 14 appearances in 600 minutes this season. He creates some sort of contribution, whether that be a goal or assist, every 75 minutes, which is pretty damn good um, in this league. What did you make of his performance today? And um, does it say something about Eddie and his future in that lineup? Would you prefer to see more of Trossard? Let me know. Well, I mean, I've been a little bit critical sometimes of Trossard because I feel like um, my opinion has been that he's a super sub because I think he's been given chances to start games over to the end of last season, the beginning of this season, and hasn't really brought much value compared to what he does when he comes on as a sub, when he just feels like so all-action hero and has got us some crucial goals. Um, but this is a bit more of a return to when he first joined and was able to contribute over 90 minutes rather than 20 and I think in the last two games, it's worked really, really well. And we have that great interplay. I think we sort of put him away last season. Um, and it was a, when he got three assists, he was stunning on, in the week. He was great again today. I really like and enjoy the interplay. He's a great finisher. So he's done himself no disservice. I do find that when he plays, I feel like we're missing a striker. Um, because it's almost like we've got three wide players interplaying, but sometimes there's no one really in the middle of the box. And I think we saw that today with how many times were we in promising positions on the flanks, cutbacks again, um, but no one in the middle to take it because so much of the time Trossard was going out wide to support the winger. Um, so I think he had a great performance. I enjoyed it. I don't think it's a system that ultimately can work over a whole season. I think we missed someone in the middle. Um, it's 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 very much it's even more of a false nine than sometimes I feel like Gabby Jesus is like a false nine because he's everywhere. Trossard is is sort of the same. Um, some people have said, would you rather have Eddie or Trossard? I think Eddie is a better striker. I think Trossard is better in our system. Um, but today he was fantastic and he deserves all the flowers that he gets. 
Lovely. All right. Remember, if you're watching this podcast live, thank you for being here straight after the game. There's about 500 of you in the room and there's not 500 likes on the post. So let's get a little smack on that like button. And remember, if you're watching this later, have you subscribed? 21,000 people decided that that was a good idea. And um, why don't you join them? It's a pretty good club. It's a pretty good club to be part of. All right. Let's move on to the next topic. Whip it in the box is uh, is my subject header. Um, Matt, did this take you back to the George Graham era? We were whipping it into the box. We were using set pieces and it was working. I mean, Arsenal now have a big side and we are a threat. We obviously identified that Burnley weren't very good at dealing with crosses. This is not a Sean Dyche team. Uh, what did you make of it? Yeah, it was weird uh, that corners were probably our biggest opportunity uh, to, to be dangerous. And I thought we, we every every one of them was a fantastic delivery. Because when you think of Burnley, you think of the Orcs. You think of a team that are brilliant at defending set pieces and are at their most dangerous from a set piece. Whereas this evolution of Burnley wasn't quite so good uh, at either end. And, you know, the approach leaves leaves me a little bit cold in the absence of a striker. <laughs> and I know we had Trossard playing up there, but I did feel like um, there was a lot of wastage uh, and the final ball was missing and we didn't create an, as many uh, the goalkeeper to make as many saves as I would have liked. Um, but it's clearly a strategy and it clearly works. So who am I to complain? Johnny, what did you make of the crosses? And do we need a striker when we've got players like Saliba and Gabriel marauding in the box uh, like peak Alan Shearer's? Um, yeah. What, what I like about it is we have different ways of playing based on what the um, what the opposition are giving us. You know what I mean? And so, it, as Matt said, this is not Sean Dyche's Burnley because this would be the antithesis of what you would how you would approach a Sean Dyche Burnley team, whipping it in the box, Tarkovsky and Slabheads just, you know, headering it away all afternoon. That's not what we need. But the way that company wants them to play, they're not all, you know, bruisers at the back and... and um, if anything, they're because they all want to be playing nice football. They're they're trying to pick the pockets of people playing pretty shapes around the box rather than just being. You know, you would approach it in a completely different way. But to win a league, you have to show that you have different ways of getting things done. And um, you know, I'll just quickly go back to a point that Matt was saying at the, as well about whether or not you think Trossard is like the long term solution or not. I don't think he necessarily needs to be. We need solutions that might see us through eight games at a time. And not in a patch, but the idea of whipping it into the box, that we're not going to do eight games in a row of whipping it into the box. But throughout the season, there might be eight games where we need to be tossing it into the box and scoring headed goals and being physical with it with, with our opposition. And, and this was one of those games. And it was really good to see that our big players stepped up we weren't not only weren't out muscled, but we were out muscling really. Deck's a problem. I've spoken about him already. Saliba's a bully, and when you've got targets like that from set pieces, we can lean on them. And we know the work that Nicholas Yeover's been doing. But um, you know, in general, I just see it as a real feather in our in our cap that we, if we're struggling with our first point of attack, we can go to other options to win the game. And in the end, people go 3-1 at home to Burnley. Great stuff. Usual Arsenal stuff. But in, in reality, 
they're probably thinking if they haven't seen the game, oh, we've ripped them open. No, we haven't. We've been tossing balls in the box and bullying people. And that's good. Yeah, I I thought I didn't really like the tactic, to be honest. I, you know, like you think, well, we can play against Burnley. We'll just, if they're going to come and play us at our own game, we'll just rip them apart through the middle. But it seemed that they, they thought the advantage of set pieces, corners and whipped in crosses was going to be the key to the afternoon. And it's really difficult to argue that it wasn't, right? Uh, the, the first goal, Saka leaping like a salmon in the box, not something I expected to see. But like my, the sort of bigger picture thing with this is I just love that we have those tools in the box now. You know, like uh, Arsenal being dominant uh, in the opposition box hasn't been something that you could speak of for many, many years. And I like that Arteta is like, it's, it's not very fashionable for top teams to, to be good at set pieces like that. And I, I like that Arteta sort of leaning into um, English roots that he doesn't have to, to bring back a bit of like proper Premier League. So it was great to see it be so successful today. And it's just, you know, Nick, Nicholas Yeover, what a, what a brilliant job he's done in general. We've been absolutely garbage at set pieces, both defending and attacking for many years. But he really does seem to have taken Arsenal to, to another level. There's lots of variety, uh, lots of creativity. And most importantly, there's lots of output. Um, so it was, a, it was a good way to win the game today, even though it maybe wasn't as sexy as it potentially could have been. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Interestingly, uh, Trossard has now scored six goals this season. That's joint top with Bakai Saka across all competitions. Did someone say that all of his goals have come from Saka assists? Someone I, said that. I, I think that was in the in the uh, comments, yeah. That, that is pretty wild, isn't it? And, you know, we've seen this before. We can't act too shocked. Sometimes certain players have synergies. They work together. They, you know, I mean, we we've had many a partnership Wright and Burkamp, you know, I don't even need to talk about people like that. You know, um Freddie and Burkamp. Freddie and Burkamp, all, all of them. It, it it's Henri and Burkamp. To be fair, it's a lot of Burkamp actually. Burkamp yeah. <laughs> and people. Uh, Let's mix know. it up. Meza Meza Ozil and uh, Sanchez. There you go. There you go. Uh, uh, even 
Theo Walcott and Van Persie at one point got on a bit of a level. They did, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I know there's a lot of Theo haters to that unroll people. But in general, we know it, don't we, guys? We know certain times there will be players that just work on that level. And it looks like Saka and Trossard are on the same page. That's great to see. Martinelli and Jesus, obviously, they're they're another one, you know? Ten months on. Remember when we were all clamouring for Mudrick? We were having online therapy sessions about how upset we were to miss out on him. And now you look at the two and it's like Trossard's the one delivering. So very exciting for him. Um, all right, let's move on to the next topic of conversation. This one is going to be tough, particularly for me, who's been spreading all sorts of propaganda about Big Kai. Uh, Macandela, Kai Havertz yanked early. Um, a bit of a meh performance. Uh, Johnny and I were speaking on the before the whistle and we were like, he's got to have a good one today. Please, dear Lord, say he's going to have a good one. It, 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 and he should have been perfect for the the big balls into the box. We've got this, you know, sort of X number nine. Didn't really work out, Matt. But you're not too despondent about it. Talk to me about Kai Havertz. Well, I was watching with a Chelsea fan. So I was convinced that today was the day that Kai was going to come good. And on paper, Burnley was a great opportunity for him. And you'd think that if we had identified uh, set pieces, whipping balls into the box, that someone who's six foot four could really prosper today. The first half, I I mean, I'm clutching at straws a little bit, let's be honest. But all I've been saying is I just want like a glimpse, just a glimmer, just an ember of something. I think I saw some embers, but I mean, you, I was really having to squint. Um, but he was getting some chances. He was getting the one thing you can say about him, he's getting in the positions. I mean, he could have about eight goals this season if he could finish. Um, but he again, he he continues to look devoid of confidence. I think it's gonna work. I've seen enough to make it think it's gonna work. The big concern for me was that Burnley came out in the second half with a lot more intention and they were way more aggressive. And when they got aggressive and when they were much more intentional. I feel like he shrunk a bit and that was more the disappointing thing. It wasn't the first 45 minutes. It was the last five minutes of the performance where when we needed someone to step up, he went hiding. Uh, Matt, you were with uh, Chelsea, a Chelsea fan, Anthony, friend of the pod. Uh, what's his take on this? Watching his with take you? is that, that he thinks that Havertz is a really good player and is a very technical player. Um, which I always find sort of weird. It's like, what do we mean by that? Because sometimes it's like he can't track, touch. He's got, he has got a beautiful touch when you see him. He's, he's quite silky. But he said, you know, he's a confidence player, always has been. Um, and so that gives me some hope because you can't be low on confidence for like a decade, can you? At some point, the confidence is upticking. I feel like, what did Arsene Wenger say? You know, it takes 10 games to build confidence and one minute to lose it. Uh, you said more than 10 games, I know. But I think it's going to happen. I really, really, really think it's going to happen. Johnny, Kai Harvard's cost 65 million. Should be a confident player, shouldn't he? Shouldn't we have thought about that before we bought him? What did you make of the Kai performance out there? And are you sick to the back teeth of Matt's propaganda on this subject? <laughs> I don't know about Matt's propaganda, but I'm just going to drop it on the reel now. It's just not good enough. It's not good enough. I don't... I'm actually getting sick of people trying to tell me that this is good enough. It's I, I'm believing my eyes now. It's shit. It today was shit. That not hey, yeah, Kai got himself stuck in. Oh, did you see that job? Not interested. It's shit. You've been given a chance, 
against a team who are going down. What was that? Big chances. Just fluffing your lines. Everyone keeps talking about technique. And, and I'm not trying to discount it. There are moments I see I see Dennis touches. I see Ozil touches. And then there's other times I'm seeing my fucking mate touches over the park who can't hit a cow's ass with a banjo. It's awful. There was a chance where the ball came over to him. Like, it's running back. It's like, go and score that. In the first half, the ball's running. And he, and he, he, he I'm not even sure he would have hit the goal, to be fair. The defender's running out. But he's hitting the near post. It was going to get saved anyway. It's poor. And then a header as well. This guy is six foot four. And you're thinking, this, he's going to be dominating people. Got Peter Crouch, Carsten Yanker up there. No, he doesn't play like it. It just, he looks like he, he's lost at times. And I'm just sick of people telling me at this stage that, yeah, you know, I, and I, I, don't get me wrong, I get it, we're trying to be supportive. But at some point, it has to come good or we, we have to just start calling this spade a spade. He's not been good enough. Nowhere near it. And I don't really, I can't even see signs that he's getting better. There are some good games and then there are games where he just goes back. This was one of the worst performances he's, ha he's had. I'm so pleased he got hooked because he was stinking up the place. And again, if you can't beat Burnley at home, mate, then I think we're going to have to sit you for City away, Liverpool away. It's not good enough. You've got to find a way of evolving, of getting better. And I'm just at this stage worried about his temperament and whether he is going to come good over the longer term. Because at the moment, he looks a million miles away. I think that yeah. there's one oh. worrying piece, which is because I can ease like I'm I'm trying I'm, again slightly clutching at straws, but Pires took six months, but Pires took six months to adapt to a new league. Kai's yeah, already exactly that's scaring me because if he'd come from the Bundesliga, then that would be a whole nother question. But he's come from the Premier League and Chelsea, so yeah. Uh, I'm 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 not really on the fence on this. I thought that he was terrible today. I thought that he didn't impose himself on the game, and I, I think that that's the thing that's getting to me a little bit. You don't really feel his presence, and we're kind of it, it feels like we're in that Urzel territory where you're like, is he is he putting in a shift there? And then people are being, oh, if you don't if you don't see what Urzel's bringing, do you even get the game? And it feels it feels I'm doing that to myself um, a little bit. That was Burnley out there today, and he's had two attempts at goal, none on target. Um, he had nine nine successful passes out of fourteen in the final third, and I, I know that you know he's he won three out of five attacking aerial duels, which is decent. But it's like these are the games that you really should be um, bullying teams like Burnley, like they're low on confidence. You should be, I don't know, you should feel a 65 million pound player on the pitch and I don't feel it at the moment. But what, you know, the the hope is, number one, Arsenal will have scouted him quite heavily. Number two, if Arsenal didn't get him this summer, Real Madrid would have. And Real Madrid definitely would have scouted him. He's a German international and he, and he starts. And I think it's going to click. And you know, one of the I always think about Adebayor when he first joined Arsenal and he had a, you know, on, on in the Le Grove comment section, there was a real hate campaign out for him because he would miss chance after chance after chance. He looked awful, had a terrible, terrible first touch. And you're like, how, uh, how is this player going to come good? And then it clicked. 
the confidence set in and he was absolutely unplayable. And I do think a sign of a good player is getting in great positions and Kai Havertz gets in great positions. And at some point, the confidence is going to click. He's too good for it not to happen. And hopefully it's going to happen in December. It has to, because <laughs> otherwise you've got, you know, we've got serious problems. And the, Pete, the only... Sorry, yeah. you know, you know, just one of those talking points. Matt brought yeah. up the other day that there is a precedent. It's rare, but there's a precedent for someone who has looked quality in the past and moves to a new club, sometimes within the same league, and then just goes off a cliff. And that's Fernando Torres. It can happen. And I don't think Kai's ever got to the levels Fernando Torres did, but sometimes you get players, they move, and they look barren, like barren of confidence. And that's what he's starting to look like now. He's concerning. But it, but here's, here's where we have to go back to my hottest takes at the top of the show. Arsenal were joint top of the Premier League. We have all but qualified in our Champions League group. And guess which player has been in midfield game after game after game? So it's it's not that it's bad. It's not it's not Fernando Torres bad. He's not costing us games. Um, we're more secure in midfield. We strangle the life out of games, and you can't do that with a player that's rubbish. It's just for sixty five million. I want to see a bit of bang bang. I want to see some flair. I want to see some screamers. I want to see him dominating uh, opposition boxes from corners. We, we haven't got there yet. I think we will. Chelsea won the Champions League with Torres and him playing badly. So we'll, we'll take that. Look, look, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to support the propaganda, trying to support your comment out here, Matt. And you're going back to Fernando Torres. No, I know, I know. I just, uh, I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm, I'm worried as well. I'm worried. It's giving me sleepless nights. All right, let's move on to something a little bit more fun. Zinchenko with a scissor kick. Oh my word! It's been in for a bit of criticism on this podcast. Thought he had a really good game today. Uh, people are still talking about, you know, whether he could um, do that Jorginho job, whether he could play as a left-sided eight or a right-sided eight, whatever. He's got such good technique, he can play and do whatever he wants. Um, Johnny, what did you make of that scissor kick goal? And um, more to the point, like, some of his defensive performances uh, tonight were pretty decent, I would say. 100%. But, I mean, listen, he channeled his inner Daniel LaRusso. Zin was not content. To just turn up for Fast and the Furious movies, he went full-blown karate kid. Mr. Miyagi would be proud of that. What a finish. Not everyone's got technique like that. Not everyone goes to their, you know, skill wheel and says, oh, how should I approach this opportunity? Just chuck in a fucking bicycle kick, a whack. It was a scissor kick, I should say. Absolutely naughty. The technique's bonkers because even if the keeper's in goal, you know, you know my phrase, don't bother diving. You can't get there. It's 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 side netting, it's wicked. And I'm pleased that you said it, Pete. I have been as outspoken as anyone when it comes to Zinchenko's defensive liabilities, let's call them what they are. He has been not good enough on that in that respect for quite some time recently. But today I thought he was much better in that respect as well. I think there was one moment where someone I think it was in the first half where there was someone who just just ran past him. And if you play Zinchenko, you have to bake that in to his performance now. There will be at least one opportunity where an opposition player will just breeze past him. But, you know, I, I'm, we might get onto it into another section, but I think it comes up now. Not for a second am I suggesting that I wouldn't continue with Tommy Asu at left back, but... 
we've got Tommy Asu in as the more solid defensive option, and he gets run ragged for their goal by um, Matey. Uh, I can't remember his name now. Um, absolutely rinsed. Zinchenko stood up to his task a lot better, and it gives you know there's rays of hope there that maybe Zinchenko can get back to providing what he does going forward, but offer a li- at least a little bit more defensive solidity um, when it comes to going, you know, to, to dealing with his major job, which is defending when you're left back. Matt, we love Zinchenko. We love it when he scores scissor kick goals and entertains the crowd. Uh, he's been a little bit marmite this year. Do you think that his future in the Arsenal setup is as a fullback? Or do you think that maybe Arteta might look at solving some of his uh, number eight issues? Yeah, well, Sinchenko said that if Havertz doesn't want to be a fully paid-up member of the Cobra Kai, then he will. Uh, <laughs> nice. Arteta's clearly is Mr. Miyagi. Uh, nice. and it, was, it was an unbelievable effort. Uh, do I think he's the solution? I think he's a solution. I think he's an absolutely fantastic player. I love watching him. I was really delighted to see him with a smile on his face. He's so good at home. Like, I think at home, it's just like, sort of got to find a way to play him. Um, and I thought it was interesting, the Tommy Yasu right back, Zinchenko left back. I thought that worked quite well, apart from Tommy Yasu's error. But um, yeah, he's too good to uh, speak negatively of. Um, and he just needs to get in the groove a little bit. But I mean, what other fullback in the league can go and do that? It was just an absolute delight to watch him. play. I, I just love watching him play. It's like that. I think there was there was some content last year where you sort of just see his touch. I think Man City, with all the players they've got, said who's the best technically at the club, and they said Zinchenko. So just what a what what a lift he's given to the squad in terms of ability. Absolutely love him, and he made us eat our words. He's got that bit of steel about him. He doesn't care what people say. He knows and he backs himself. So I love that. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think the the most difficult problem that we've got to deal with with Zinchenko is he's very injury prone like he he, he he'll do six seven games then he's out with a calf injury then he's he'll do another six seven games and then he's out again I think that one of the challenges that Arteta has got to deal with um over the next few months I mean up until March that when Timber comes back into the side he's got a bit of a problem because you want Zinchenko on the pitch as an Arsenal player but Timber looks like he might be coming for that position. So I, I know that they're, they're trying Zinchenko in all sorts of different positions in training at the moment. So who knows um, what he's going to be doing in the future. He's kind of like the the modern day... I mean, he could be a, a utility player in, in a sense, you know, a superstar elevated utility player that can play in more advanced positions all across the back line. Um, but I love seeing him on the pitch. I think the the criticism that he got was a bit spicy at times. He went from getting no criticism to suddenly a mountain of it, but he definitely silenced the doubters yesterday. Defensively, I thought some of his actions were really good in our own box, but that goal, my word, um, what incredible technique that was. I I, I would say, um, like, you know, of course, like, first of all, anyone who was conflating what I said, like, I thought Tommy Asu had a good game, apart from for the goal. It was only the goal, but he didn't defend that well at all. But that was my only point because we actually conceded for it. But in general, Tommy Asu is an improvement on what Zinchenko has been serving up. And I think it's only right to give people their flowers when they've had positive games. But 
despite Zinchenko playing well, I'm not calling for him to be in the team or anything. I, I think he could do with sitting on the bench for a few weeks, coming on, having games here and there, building his confidence. But what he did show over a prolonged period was we we look a lot more defensively, you know, fragile when he's playing. And this is a this is a positive step towards that, but by no means like a approval and let's get him straight back into team. We're just not there. And certainly long-term timber looks like the long-term solution. Absolutely. All right. Let's talk about uh, Tommy Yasu. It looked like a, a bit of a meaty challenge or a bit of a, a clash of arms, some shirt pulling. But however it ended, Tommy Yasu was on his backside um, and Burnley scored a goal. Guys, last week, VAR um, said the the Joe Linton tackle on Gabriel was not a foul. It let that one go today against Tommy Asu. But then um, Saka uh, got pulled back by VAR for um, the exact same thing that Joe Linton did. What's going on here? Was it a foul? Um, what do you make of it, Matt? Clear foul. I think in the replay, you saw Tommy Asu had a handful of his shirt as well. Um, so no expectations that that was that that'd be called a foul. I think they played hard. Sorry, uh, mate, you say it, it was not a foul. It was not a foul. No not way. Right, right. I was like, oh, okay. No way. No way. No, he had he had a big. Uh, Tommy has had a big lump of his shirt as well. Um, at one point in when they when they replayed it, so you know he blotted the copybook. But I'd rather he made a mistake that led to a goal and a three-one win over Burnley and gets it out of the system because he's not a player who makes very many mistakes. I think Arteta has referenced that he's pretty flawless. Interestingly, that he was flawless at left back and then went back to his more regular spot of right back and made a mistake in the first game back. But um, no, he's, he's I love Tommy Yassi. I think he's a fantastic player. But today, that was a mistake. Johnny, uh, was it a foul? And uh, what did you make of the Saka decision that looked very similar to the Joel Linton one last week? Um, it's definitely not a foul. And I mean, if we're honest, this, these are the kinds of situations where people can be like, you know, Arsenal fans are crying for everything. I, I mean, if, if we're going to get that, then I don't I don't know how the league is functioning. Like that's... Tommy Asu's in the team because he offers physicality and not getting bullied like that in those situations. Very rare that you see. I don't expect him to... If he plays next week, I don't expect that to happen. But it happens to everyone at some time. Even the Colossus himself, William Saliba, will occasionally have a moment where he gets, you know, supposedly run ragged in that moment. But we know that he dominates games. So I think you have to be expecting Tommy Asu to deal with that situation better. He didn't. We move on. Um, He is a consistent player. But in that moment, he wasn't up to his level. If we're asking for fouls on that, then honestly... I, I think the game really will start getting silly because we dish out things like that and we wouldn't want that called against us. Um, it, what was the other situation, Pete, you said? The Saka. We got, uh, remember when the ball kind of looked like it crossed the line and then uh, Saka got, got done for a foul. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. 
seemed like a very light touch. Uh, it was. It, it looked like it had gone in, and the goalkeeper scrambled back to scoop. Yeah, it out. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the reality is, is what the way Saka. I think that's a foul. It, it, it's so light, but when you're scoring a goal, we know it's extra scrutinised. He comes in, he affects the player, he, he barges into him. He, The player would say, if he, if I didn't get touched like that, I would get the ball. I think that, yeah, he's got every right to um, be disallowed. And even then, I don't even think he crossed the line, to be honest. So Look at the maturity on this podcast. I tell you what, though, that Colio show, what a player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, he, yeah. Nearly, he yeah. nearly had William Saliba. For lunch, oh, nearly. I know it's, was, it's uh... attention grabbing. It is. It is. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, let's move on to another. Oh, let's let's move on to a negative and just get the last negative out of the podcast. Fabio Vieira comes on. He gets some time on the pitch again. Doesn't really do much to impress, and then gets a red card. Uh, Johnny, I know that you've got a lot of passion for talking about Fabio Vieira. Not always in the most positive lights, but again, another player. The is so up and down, it's painful. What did you make of uh, the performance and the silly red? Do you know this one? I'm, you know, the people who listen to this podcast will know that all of us actually are parents, but I am a parent and I'm going to have to hit with one of those parent lines because at this stage, I'm not even angry. I'm I'm just disappointed. It's what, what, what's, what is, what is that? You're, you're shit when you're playing and then you're making tragic mistakes. And it's 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 difficult to watch because when you watched him walk off the field, he genuinely looked like he was really bothered by this. He, you could he, Arteta couldn't even look at him. Arteta could not even look at him as he walked off. You could see he was affected by it, but it's not good enough. You're not doing enough at your height. <laughs> When he's doing, when he's impacting the game or trying to, he's not effective enough to justify moments like this. It was a real, real brain fart moment, and indicative of a player who I'm just really not sure he's going to make it anymore at Arsenal. And the, he, his his Arsenal career is on life support at this stage. It really is. Get the defibs out because for me, it looks DOA, and I really feel like there's a very good chance he'll be playing at another club next season. And, uh, you know, unless something dramatic turns around, he he can have no complaints. Matt, I think I'm cashing my bet out on Fabio Vieira. What did you make of the performance? And was it a bit odd that Arsenal fans gave him quite a send-off with a little song uh, for a red card? Not quite Granite Xhaka, was it? I think the perform- there was nothing really wrong with the performance. The uh, performance was fine. You know, he came on, looked tidy. I thought I uh, didn't do anything wrong. The red card was... I mean, it's a red. It's a Fabio Vieira red because he managed to do something dangerous without looking vaguely threatening. You know, it's like it's almost it's like quite, it's quite hard to do that where you actually feel sorry for a player, but it's also a legitimate red. It's quite, quite, quite something. You're sort of really uh, threading the eye of the needle to do that. Um, so, yeah, it's just frustrating because there's some games that he would probably get some minutes in coming up. We've got this like slightly easier run. We've got an injury crisis. Um, I wonder if this is an opportunity and opens the door for someone like Nuaneri, who physically looks much more suitable for the Premier League than Fabio Vieira. The one thing I will say is, and people are going to laugh about this, he, he can be quite beautiful to watch. Like technically, 
the way he plucks the ball and moves with the ball. There's definitely a player in there. Um, but I I readily admit that 99% of Arsenal fans are hearing that going, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Um, but I think it's too early to write him off. But yeah, bit missing three games right now is not going to help him. No, it was... Uh, he's just a bit limp. It's just, a, it's just a bit limp. Sometimes it's glorious, but it just... Uh, he sort of floats in and out of the game, doesn't always look uh, 100% focused on what he's doing. And it feels like we've been seeing these performances since he joined. Um, I, I wonder whether we just moved on him a little bit too quick, quickly. I feel like he might have needed another year in Portugal, getting more minutes because he doesn't really seem to be taking his chances. And um He's yeah. had a year at Arsenal getting minutes. <laughs> I know. It's just, it, it's, it's, it's just a bit... Ugh. It's just it, maybe he's just one of those players. Arsenal aren't gonna get all of those decisions right, but um, yeah, he he doesn't he doesn't look built for the Premier League, and hopefully we're gonna see uh, one of those young kids, one of those double barrel names coming through the ranks. I think I'm. Did I see an Ethan Winery England goal earlier on? Looked a bit tasty. It would be ironic stuff. if we spent a hundred million on our left eight and Kai Harvitz and Fabio Vieira and ended up playing an academy kid. <laughs> I know, I know. All right, let's move on to a topic that Johnny loves. Saliba, 50th Premier League appearance. Is it 50th Premier League appearance? I think it is, yeah. Um, play, he plays all the minutes. Uh, he's been an absolute joy to watch all season. And today, he scored a goal. Johnny, uh, take it away on William Saliba. So, <laughs> I'm... Uh, where where do I start with this man? Where do I start? He's so good. There was a moment. People who think that I'm a little bit too much of a propagandist when it comes to Bill. I've got I've got a you know warts and all. There was a moment in the first half. It led to a big chance for them, where Saliba's tried to outmuscle his guy, got caught out, kind of got the ball back, but then ended up playing it back, and we, there was a chance against us. But you know, moments like that are few and far between. He dominates every game that he goes into. And I don't know how long ago I started saying this, guys, that I think he would be era-defining if he could come into Arsenal and solidify. And now, try and find me an Arsenal fan that would argue with that. He, If he wants to, and he stays motivated, he could be one of the greatest Arsenal defenders we've ever seen, easily. I think he's already the best defender in the world. How often Arsenal have had at any one time, the best defender in the world. That's arguable. But it's only a few times, maybe. Maybe Sol Campbell at one point. Who knows? I'm, I I don't know if you would have put Tony Adams up there at that point, you know, in terms of being the actual best. Um, he is a phenomenal, phenomenal player. He is like a future prototype of what a centre-half is. People say in the comments, you know, and I know they're doing it a bit light-hearted, like it's a joke. I think he could play up front. Because he's that good. He could, he dominates. He, he's so good on the ball. I actually think his finishing is better than certain players that get given a lot of chances. And when he needs to step up in big moments, I think he knew it was his 50th game. And he's like, I'll have to score today then. Because big players do things like that. They mark special occasions. Another outstanding performance. I think at this stage he is... Clearly, the best defender in the league, and I do mean that. I think it's clear now. I think other clubs have started to wake up, other fans, and yeah, it's just another add this to the roller decks of elite, top class, top level performances 
much like Declan Rice, the worst game he has is a seven. It's it's incredible. And we should not take it for granted. Matt Williams Saliba uh, seems to put nine out of ten performances in every single game. Do you think he has a crack at being one of the greatest Arsenal defenders of all time? Or is it hyperbole by Johnny? What's the point of always asking me after you've asked Johnny and there's literally nothing left to say about Saliba? <laughs> <laughs> you I do this every deeper. week. It's like, come on. Uh, I think the one, I've, I've just put one counter to it. Tony Adams won four Premier Leagues for Arsenal. or four, four, And so before William Saliba can get talked about in the same breath as people like Tony Adams, he's got to win the Premier League at least twice for me. Because it, nothing counts for anything. If like Cesc Fabregas is not an Arsenal legend, in my opinion, because he didn't lift major silverware as captain. He was a very, very good player who we all have an enormous amount of perfection, but he's not. I don't think you put Cesc Fabregas in the same breath as Ray Parler. I don't, because, you know, it all comes down to what you win. If you don't win, it's meaningless. So he's got all the attributes, all the opportunities, a wonderful, wonderful player. Now let's go and win stuff. All right, yeah. I mean, I can't really add much to what Johnny's saying, but I, I do think the ability that he's showing at such a young age in the most difficult league in the world uh, cannot go unnoticed. He does need to win a Premier League, but I think he's in the right team to do it. So uh, great performance from William Saliba. Lovely to see so, him getting a goal. So, Pete, one thing, uh, that was a great point by Matt. I, I, I'm not for a second saying where we sit right now you know, William Saliba is a comp to Tony Adams' legacy. I mean, a man has a fucking statue for a reason. There will not, there are no currently no stadium plans for William Saliba next year. And of course, to add to your, you know, your legacy and make yourself a legend, you you have to win something. You can't do it any other way. But what I'm saying is, as you know, a, a, a man mountain as he was for Arsenal and a club legend, I don't know whether there was any a time ever a time where you would say Tony Adams was ever the best player in the world. He was amazing for us, a club legend. He, he won things. But what I'm saying is, is I think Saliba might have the potential to win things and also be the outright consensus best defender in the world. Do you see what I mean? That I'm certainly not comparing his... He hasn't made, had any achievements compared to Tony. But that's what that's the point I was making. We can all get a bit excited about a player, though. We've been doing it for years. Remember uh, Jack Jeb? Got excited about him. This is a little bit different. I'm glad that we've got him in our side. All right, Matt, I'll let you in on um, this first. Uh, Arsenal seem to lack a forward. You mentioned it earlier in the podcast that we were whipping a lot of balls into nobody, it felt, um, at certain times. Do you think that Arsenal are missing some ingredients in that front line? Do we need a little bit more bite up front? I think someone in my in a WhatsApp group of mine said in the week, and, I'm, and I sort of agree, if we want to win the Premier League or the Champions League this season, we need a striker in January. Full stop. Full stop. You don't need it for Burnley at home, but we're going to need it in the back half of the season. And I think you look at what Trossard did for us when we brought him in. Imagine if we didn't have Trossard now. He was a January signing. You know, six goals. Martinelli... You know, he's been fantastic at times, but he's only got two goals this season. And we've needed Trossard to step in and fill the void. We need a striker. Um, and you saw it today because we're not playing with one. And for someone, a group of players as ambitious as ours, we've got to make Saliba a great. So we've got to win silverware. 
we're going to need someone who can come in in January and can score 10 goals. And if we get that, I think we're, maybe even 15. But if we get that, we're going to win some major silverware. If we don't, we're going to be uh, the nearly guys all over again. Johnny, what do you make of the front line? Do we need to add if we want to win the Premier League this year? I mean, look, I'm going to keep saying it every week. We absolutely have to buy a striker. I'm naming names. I, I want Ivan Tony. I don't give a shit. Let's get it done. I think it's an achievable um, thing. They're going to come out and posture and say 100 million. I don't think it will necessarily be that much, but it might be getting towards it. And I think we should pay it because he would be a step up on what we have now. And, and I know there are people that argue with that, but I just don't see how you can. I think Saliba, uh, Saliba, Tony last year showed that he was one of, you take Haaland and Kane away. Kane's left the league since. I think there's an argument Tony's the next best striker in the league. A very strong argument based on last year. So if we could have the tail end of this season with Ivan Tony starting games, you know, he knows the Premier League already. Yes, he'll be learning a new team. I think, and people say, oh, he just takes penalties. Well, all right then, take some penalties and be very good at taking penalties. But it's not like he only scores penalties. And we know that he can provide something different to us. So I think we we need to splurge. If we're serious about what we want to do this year, this team will not drag us in of itself to a big trophy. I don't think it. I, I think we should look at it and see it as a, you, you know, be very grateful that we've been able to keep ourselves within touching distance, very finely poised to strike. But we are not, we're not built as we're currently constructed to get us over the line. I think we need to invest a minimum of a striker, maybe a midfielder as well. Yeah, I think the only challenge that we've got is it's like you don't want to you don't want to make a rash move in January for a striker. You don't want to get lumbered with a Vout V-Corst um, like Man United did. It's got to be top, top quality. It's got to be Ivan Tony. It's got to be Evan Ferguson. It's got to be one of the top dogs because we're, we're at the cherry on top phase of the rebuild. And we should really probably be spending 80, 90 million on a striker. So we'll see what the club's got lined up. I am surprised that so many people criticize Ivan Tony. I'm like, he's doing this for Brentford. He's doing it for Brentford. Scored like what, 14 non-penalty goals last year. But penalties count, people. Penalties count. They are important. Uh, and I think that he would offer us um, a, a different type of outlet up front. And I think Arsenal could take him to the next level. All right, um, let's move on to a happier topic. Uh, the final one of the day. Matt, I'm going to go to you first on this one because I know you love talking about the Spurs. Uh, Spurs played Wolves today. The first game since Mickey van der Ven uh, was not present in the side. First game since Madison was out of the side. They had six shots, two on target. Wolves had 17 uh, with four on target. The most important thing is that two of those turned into goals in the 91st and the 97th minute. Uh, an extremely Spursy game. What did you make of that, Matt? Are we about to see Spurs come unfolded, Unai Emery style. Spurs EFC, you've got your Tottenham back. We said it all felt Unai Emery-esque. It's all the, the cock is coming home to roost. Um, it was wonderful to see. I was watching the beginning. I was like, I cannot believe Wolves have let them score in the first two minutes. And it was a good goal, actually. Um, but just fantastic. What a week for them. Madison, Van der Ven, everyone injured. Dropping six points. So, so, you know, Tottenham's best start ever. 
and we're above them after 11 games. It's what you love to see, really. Um, and yeah, um, I saw a guy wearing a Tottenham Hotspur T-shirt this morning. And I may be 43 years old, but it really took a lot of restraint not to just verbally abuse him when I saw him. I really, really detest them. I really do. Uh, and um, and yeah, just delighted, delighted. The curse of manager of the month. I can't believe he won three manager of the month. Three. Yeah. Not today, mate. Not today. Not uh, sure. Johnny, um, you probably have a more rational perspective on Spurs. Having grown up with a Spurs fan in your household, um, what's the group chat with the family looking like right now? Yeah, I, I've got um, up close, um, you know, access to some of them. Oh, I know. And I could tell you guys, this one hurt them. It really, really hurt them. Because the first goal, I, I can't remember the guy's name who banged the equaliser in. It's If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's an absolutely disgusting goal. It's world class. Sarabia and Lamina. Sarabia. The Sarabia goal is an absolute liberty. And you know it hurt them because they're thinking, can we get over the line? Can we drag ourselves through? We're, you know, we're, we're being resilient after dropping points last week. Can we get back? Whack. It was a sucker punch. And they were literally, oh, you know, why it was perfect? It's because the goal was so good. You can chalk that up sometimes as a fan to, well, what can you do about that? It's world-class. It's just that simple. You can't stop it. It is what it is. We'll take our point and we'll go home. You won't be taking any points. You won't be taking any points. Back on your bus and get back down there and back in your box afterwards. And I tell you what, mind the gap. Mind the gap again, because you're shit and you've just realised the rest of it's been a mirage. You thought you were drinking water in a desert, but no, it's your own piss. You've weed, you've wet yourself. It's a joke, Tottenham. And at the end of the day, I love to watch it. I love to see uh, and get the comments and the feedback that they genuinely have said, expressed to me. And they don't like showing weakness to us. That one hurt. It's lovely. You can, follow, you can follow it. me on Twitter at iJohnnyCock when I'm going to be sharing lots of Tottenham reacts, fan reaction cams because at the end of the day, guys, it's not just about Arsenal winning. Sometimes you have to put a cherry on top and Tottenham suffering is also something that we can all, all can rally around, eh? The most dangerous phrase in football, Johnny, is we've got our club back. It's the most <laughs> dangerous phrase. And we've heard it a lot. We've heard it a few times over the years with Spurs. Jose Mourinho at the early doors at Spurs. Conte, when they pipped us to top four. And they started really early. You think they learned their lesson with Postacoglu. Um, but they have not. And things are going to start to come unstuck. They've been extremely lucky this year. Um, you know, no injuries. Uh, results going their way. Red cards going their way. I mean, even the Chelsea game. I mean, it was an absolute car crash from a refereeing perspective. Um, two of their players should have been sent off uh, in the first half. But then the injuries come. Now the suspensions have come. Basuma is now also suspended. But when you lose a game post-90 minutes, it's a killer. It is an absolute killer for confidence. And also losing a game like that, and then everyone goes away on international break. So they've got, it's going to be, it's going to be messy. And they've got some really difficult games coming up. And uh, speaking of um, difficult games as well, um, Manchester City have got Chelsea, Liverpool and Spurs in their next uh, three games. So there's some, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know how I want that to go. Do I want to, do I want to put the, 
the kibosh on Liverpool. I mean, I don't think Chelsea have got much hope. Um, but it's uh, it's, oh, it's going to be an I interesting. Don't know. I don't know. I will watch that one. It's all about one of the things I've said in the past when we play Chelsea. I'm like, we play them well all the time. They should have beat us this year, and they couldn't get us out of there because we have a we have a little hex on them. And Chelsea play City close quite a lot. I, I, I don't know the stats, and maybe I'm imagining it wrong, but I feel like over the last, what, 10 years, it's been about 50-50. Chelsea usually give City a good game. I know Tottenham always do well against City, and they've got them team as well. But just keep an eye on the Chelsea game. It should be City's game to win, but you never know. De Bruyne usually gets them out of jail, and he won't be playing, so we'll see. Love it. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. That takes us to the end of the podcast. And thank you to everybody that spends their time after the game. If you haven't hit the like, hit the like button. If you haven't subscribed, click that subscribe button. And if you're listening to this on a podcast, make sure you subscribe again and give us a little five-star review as we head into the international break. And remember, we're going to keep going through the next two weeks. Uh, We'll have some uh, Patreon content. Uh, we'll be asking questions of um, of people and answering them over the next few weeks. And uh, that's patreon.com forward slash the Arsenal opinion. And outside that, Johnny, unless you've got something, we'll say ciao for now. Ciao for now. Thanks for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network.